You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. Deshaun Watson, center stage, whether it's on the field or off. That's what we're talking about today on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Thank you for hanging out with us. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Of course, as always, if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe, like us, love us, give us a thousand stars, whatever you need to do to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Daryl, 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 this Deshaun Watson thing has uh, clearly been the story since uh, the moment we found out he wasn't coming to Cleveland, then was coming to Cleveland, and now it sounds like we're going to get into a little bit more of the off-the-field stuff. Yeah, the investigation appears to be on the back nine and headed down the stretch here with them speaking with him this week in Houston, Texas, to go over these accusations of uh, sexual misconduct levied by at least – 22 women in civil court. Of course, as we know, he escaped criminal prosecution. Two grand juries elected not uh, to indict him. But these civil cases are going to go into next year. They're still in the discovery phase there, and that's going to go on. He's going to have to give depositions, and and the evidentiary discovery portion of this uh, civil uh, lawsuits uh, going to go into July, early July. They'll you know take a break because the two parties agreed not to go to court for the trials, so that Deshaun could concentrate on football. But the question is, how much football does Deshaun Watson have to worry about even concentrating on? Because at some point here, the NFL is going to come down with a ruling, whether it's he's not going to face any discipline because in their view he did nothing wrong, or they are going to discipline him in the form of a suspension and a lengthy one at that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are throwing numbers of games out there. And right, the, the truth of the matter is we don't know. We don't know with this independent arbiter how much precedent is going to uh, play into their decisions and their recommendations to the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell. We have no idea right now. Uh, but the fact-finding from the NFL standpoint, continues. And this week, it included conversations not only with Deshaun Watson, but Watson's legal team. And so we just have to wait and see how this thing plays out. 
We're in a jump to conclusion society and media business. And I think that with this situation, everyone just needs to take a deep breath and, you know, got to be careful here. Um, But, uh, you know, clearly this investigation is uh, beginning to, to wrap up or get to the latter stages as far as the NFL is concerned. Yeah, I find it interesting that, like, everywhere you turn, everybody seems to have a, a number for how many games he is going to be suspended or not suspended or will he get suspended twice. Or You know, you keep hearing these stories keep popping up. I don't think there's any answer. Like, we don't know. They'll have an, The investigation's about to wrap up, right? League comes back. League says, okay, well, this is what we think the discipline should be. And then it goes to Sue Robinson, who's a former federal judge, which is new. So, like, when I keep hearing people say, Ben Roethlisberger, look at this, or look at past precedent, or look how long this person was suspended, or people that want to bring in Trevor Bauer into the situation. Yep. Forget about all that. Like, that that's just not – I do think we're in a new world, and it could be I, – I, if you want to see him play football, it could be good, or it could be – or you could be looking at the Browns going, oh, my God, I can't believe they just signed some guy who's never going to play. I mean, the, the extremes are there because – this new step in the process under the CBA makes things interesting if you're looking at the story. And right. I, I find it interesting that the CBA turns to a former federal judge uh, in Sue Robinson to listen to the case because I'm wondering how Sue Robinson interprets the case as someone that is concerned about public opinion, concerned about protecting the shield. I don't know why – I don't know if that's a mandate for her because if it was about protecting the shield – I think he'd be suspended now, and we—I don't think we'd see him for a while. Right. But well, if you get—if you get into the legal part of it, Daryl, like I wonder how she's going to interpret it, how she's going to look at the case, and how she'll de- determine, you know, court of public opinion versus the legal part of it because she's done legal her whole life. Right. And so here's how this works: if the investigation comes back with no. Uh, policy violation occurred on behalf of Watson he will not be disciplined and everybody just moves on also stop there Daryl Daryl stop right there do you I mean this is like well I'm I'm just I'm going through I'm going through the steps I know I'm just saying I'm saying this no yeah and so what I'm saying to you is and I'm asking not saying um based on everything we've known before this is like this is an easy personal conduct policy case Compared to everything else that's ever happened, correct? I yeah, I understand. I like I said, I'm just I'm yeah. going through the factual step by step here. Is, okay. Okay. So okay. If, if they determine that, then nothing happens. Also, per the CBA, the NFL cannot appeal the decision from the arbiter either. That's that's an important thing too. Now, if the independent arbiter determines that a violation occurred, then the arbiter can determine the punishment. For it, okay. If the NFL disagrees with the punishment that is recommended, the league then can appeal that to the commissioner, okay, who obviously right. has power over, uh, you know, the process once it's determined a violation of the conduct policy has taken place. So I just I want to get those details out there because they're important. I understand right now clearly based on what has come out. Uh, not only in the court filings, but the, some of the reporting uh, on on these depositions and the contents of these depositions from some of these alleged victims, um, it, it does not paint a, a very promising picture for Deshaun Watson. I understand all that. I just I'm trying to step by step 
factual, uh, factually explain how this whole process is going to work. The commissioner is not going to put uh, Watson on the exempt list because there is no criminal element at this time. He was uh, not indicted by two grand juries. This is not a criminal matter. This is a civil matter. Therefore, the commissioner exempt list is not uh, in play uh, in this situation. So, uh, it look, it looks like Watson's going to get suspended if, if we're just looking at the situation and I understand that we just we don't know that for a fact and I think that we have to be very careful in that and also too uh, these are allegations yes the allegations are serious they're disgusting they're appalling whatever adjective you want to use okay it, it it the allegations lay out a pattern of very disturbing behavior Deshaun Watson has maintained his innocence he says that he has said that he is going to uh, defend himself vigorously. He has no intention of settling these lawsuits. I can tell you the NFL and the Cleveland Browns would love him to settle these lawsuits. That just, But it is his right to defend himself, uh, and it, it appears that he is going to uh, you know, take these cases uh, to court. I found Mike Florio's comments this week uh, about the civil cases somewhat interesting coming from uh, a, a former lawyer uh, that he is. Uh, he was talking about how hard it is to win each and every one of these civil cases. The thought sure. that him going 22 for 22 in a court of law, just that just probably is not going to happen is, is how Florio uh, explained it in a couple of his appearances on uh, national radio shows, uh, the Rich Eisen show, uh, Dan Patrick show uh, among them. So uh, I just, you know, trying to stick with facts here, uh, the facts that are being presented from these alleged victims certainly paint a very grotesque picture about a disturbing pattern of behavior. Uh, civil, obviously, completely different from a, a criminal proceeding. And, you know, where the NFL is concerned, there's a lot of latitude in what they determine to be conduct detrimental to the league. So, right. um you know, everyone's trying to come up with a number like you were talking about, Andy. Is it going to be two games? Is it going to be four games? Six games? Eight games? Does he get the full season? season? How much does the Trevor Bauer suspension with Major League Baseball play? And I'll say this about Trevor Bauer. I, you know, it's my understanding, just based on what I've read, that there was actually there was some evidence that was used again, you know, in that uh, determination Bauer. by major league baseball you know what i'm saying i you know yeah. whether it was pictures or, or testimony or police reports or whatever i think that there was a lot more evidence than physical evidence i should say in that determination than maybe what is available for this this whole watson uh situation so it 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 is a he said she said issue uh right y y you know what i'm saying uh, the, yeah. the, the, the vic these alleged victims are, are, have made these claims in civil court. Uh, they're exploring the validity of those claims with the depositions and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, right now, I think that the league, you know, their, their number one concern is, is, you know, trying to verify the validity of these accusations that have been made against Deshaun Watson. And if the league suspects that there is validity to those claims, then I think they're going to throw the book at Deshaun and and, uh, and and discipline him rather severely. The one piece that I think is different here is that if whatever Judge Robinson determines, but if it what seems weird is 
Roger Goodell seems to have the ultimate power like he always has, except for one piece, that if Sue Robinson says no punishment, no disciplinary, that's the end. That's the right. only difference, I think, between this and any other case that they've they've listened to as far as the personal conduct policy. Well, is, the players uh, wanted to take some of that out of the commissioner's hands. They they didn't want the commissioner to continue to have that absolute power. And I think well, that it's this crazy. Is a, I, I mean, I it, do think he has too much power. And, he does, and the, I, I really think that this new process that they have put in place with the independent and in, 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 uh, arbiter. Uh, on top of the independent investigation, I, I think that that's a positive step forward in that. Uh, the fact that you have a former U.S. district judge involved in this process who has a very deep understanding of criminal law as well as civil law. So I, I, I actually like just taking a step back away from just the Deshaun Watson situation just in general. I think this new disciplinary process is much better than the one that they had before where you had the investigation, it goes to the commissioner's desk, he hands down the ruling, end of story. So I, I like this new process. I think it's more fair to the, the, the players involved, and I, I think it helps the league uh, take a more balanced approach to player discipline as well. Uh, one other hook here, and then uh, because we have other stuff we want to talk about, but you know, I, I think for the first time, Roger Goodell has an out. Like uh, If Sue Robinson comes back and says, nope, no reason for discipline, and it's over, Goodell could come back and go, uh, well, uh, that's not what I was going to do, but this is what the CBA says, and this is where we've got to move forward on it. Right. I, just keep that in the back of your mind somewhere down the road. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. And in fact, we uh, invite you to partake in the show like we will today. We'll do a little mailbag today at Game Day CLE, at Game Day CLE in future shows because we've got a lot of folks that have already chimed in and want to get inside the mailbag. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But next, Baker Mayfield. There is part of this storyline that will not go away. Daryl and I are going to take out some shovels, and we're going to bury it next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Daryl, let, let's put this to bed because I just think it's ridiculous. Baker Mayfield is not wearing a Browns uniform ever again. Unless something crazy happens and he does the LeBron retirement tour at the end of his career, maybe that could change it. And maybe if ownership was different, and well, clearly the coaching staff will probably be out. Of it. Well, who knows how long Baker will play in the league? No, 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 no. The coaching I, staff would have to be different. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. Where are we? like I, I can't believe that there are national pundits out there that continue to say Baker Mayfield. Well, don't be surprised if he's playing for the Browns next year. That's not happening, right? No, it's it's not going to happen for a couple of reasons. Uh, but the reason why it's still out there, one, Andrew Berry's trying to move the guy, right? So sure, you, you, sure. You, you float stuff out there to aid in that endeavor, number one. Number two, Andrew Berry never speaks in absolutes, right? When, when we visit, when we have the opportunity to visit with him, he might not paint the entire picture for us and tell us everything we want to know and go into uh, expansive detail like we would really uh, want him to. He's never lied to us. He, he, and I think that that's important for people to understand. He does not lie when he's asked uh, questions. He might be very ambiguous in his answers, but he just doesn't blatantly lie. But he also doesn't speak in absolutes, right? Uh, that's why they keep talking. It's a fluid situation. Anything can happen. Everything's on the table. We're considering everything, right? That's how he's speaking in regards to this Baker Mayfield situation. Ergo, when people ask him, hey, uh, is, if, if Watson isn't available this year and the NFL really drops the hammer, uh, would you guys turn to Baker? And, of course, he's, his response is probably along the lines of, well, we're not ruling anything out at this point. And then all of a sudden now it's, hey, up, oh, oh, there's a chance Baker Mayfield might play for the Browns this year, when in reality the real answer is not a snowball's chance in hell is Baker Mayfield ever going to play for the Cleveland Browns again. We brought in Deshaun Watson. We brought in Jacoby Brissett. We brought in Josh Dobbs. Uh, we just signed the, this uh, young man from the, the rookie minicamp uh, that tried out, Felix Harper. We got four dudes in front of Baker Mayfield. Felix Harper will play for the Cleveland Browns this year before Baker Mayfield does. That, that I mean, that's just the reality of what's going to happen. Also, the other part of this, Baker Mayfield does not want to play for the Cleveland Browns ever again, okay? He doesn't want to play for Kevin Stefanski ever again, okay? I mean, those two were like uh, oil and water last year uh, as far as butting heads and not seeing eye to eye. So it's just, it's not going to happen. But I understand the reason it's still out there, Andy, is because Andrew Berry in the organization right now does not and will not and cannot speak in absolutes and just tell people, yeah, no chance in hell this dude is playing for us again because they're trying to get him out of here. And so everybody in the NFL knows he's never playing for the Browns again. Everybody knows the Browns have to get rid of him, and that really hurts the ability to try and make a trade. And that is why you don't see teams bum-rushing to get up there and make a move to get Baker Mayfield. Now, if the Browns cut Baker Mayfield today, as we have this conversation right now, Andy, if they cut him today, you'll have 10 teams competing right. to sign Baker Mayfield. It's a completely different scenario between just, you know, maybe throwing a couple of million bucks at a guy that you don't have to pay 
a lot of money to because the Browns are on the hook for over eight, nearly eight, uh, $19 million, I should say, in guaranteed salary versus giving up draft assets or any other assets to acquire uh, the guy. There's, there's a difference there. So, you know, Baker is not going to play for the Cleveland Browns again. Just Andrew Barry and the organization can't speak in those terms right now because they're, they're trying to trade him. Daryl, I still feel like the whole Baker Mayfield situation came down to one moment. And that moment, if if true, like I, I don't have – you tell me if you've verified this or not because I, I don't have 100% verification on it. If true that Jimmy wanted to talk to Baker after Deshaun Watson said no the first time and Baker said no. Do you have verification of that? Do we know that that's a thousand percent true? I have heard that, but I've not heard that from multiple people. So – uh, Baker okay. nuked Same himself. Boat. Okay, so I, that, I think it's fair to say he it. nuked himself, though, because yes. when he, the night that the Browns got back on the plane to come back to Cleveland from Houston after meeting with Deshaun, Baker put the statement out on Twitter that basically thank you slash goodbye to the city of Cleveland, right? And the Browns. There was still went, time to turn around after that. Correct. The Browns, after Deshaun the, and. On and, and because it was a Thursday because morning. Baker Mayfield fans, right? But Baker, I, like even when Baker put that statement out there, that could have been Baker reacting to the fact that everyone knew the Browns were talking to Deshaun, right? And Baker, and, like Baker, could have just turned around and said, "I had so many like social media things. People thought I was getting traded, and I was out of here, or they they were going to cut me, or whatever." Yeah, I there just was time to, to walk it back. Know in Cleveland, and Browns fans, he totally could have walked that back. Yes. Yeah, but okay, here's but, but here's the, but here's the timeline, right? The meeting takes place on it on on a Tuesday. Tuesday night, Baker, uh, uh, you know, puts out the statement. Wednesday comes, we all were you know playing the waiting game, right? Thursday morning, Browns are informed by Deshaun, hey, you're off the short list, okay? Brown then Baker's people call the Browns. Once that gets out, Baker's people call the Browns and say, hey, uh, yeah, we want out of here, we want to trade, and then. The Browns are like, yeah, that's nice you want that, but he's under contract for one more year, and that's not going to happen. And that's out there. Then Friday comes, and I think then the Browns realize just what a mess they had on their hands. They get Deshaun's people back on the phone and said, Th That hey, was a brutal day. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay, well, what if we just go ahead and throw $230 million at you, and we'll guarantee every single dollar of the contract? Uh, will Deshaun reconsider a couple hours later? Hey, Andrew, uh, yep, yeah, you got a deal. Go ahead and uh, give the Texans a call and work the trade out. It's uh, We'll waive the no trade, come to Cleveland, sign the new $230 million contract. Boom, that's it. Now all of a sudden the Browns are <laughs> have to reverse course again, right? Because they went from preparing to move on without Deshaun Watson. And to your point about having time to backtrack from the goodbye Okay, Baker wanted no part of it. Baker was scorned at that point. He's like, you talk to Deshaun Watson, uh, you're number one, basically, is what he did. Okay, um, I'm done. I'm not coming back. Whatever. Uh, cut me, trade me, whatever you got to do with me. I am not going to play for you because you talked to Deshaun Watson uh, without giving me the heads up. And Andrew Berry has acknowledged that he is disappointed that he couldn't let Baker Mayfield's representatives know that they were going to talk to Deshaun that day 
uh, you know, before the news had had gotten out, and that's just the way the NFL works sometimes, that the news comes out before the players are even told. I mean, God, players know that they're released, traded, waived, whatever, on social media sometimes before uh, it it, it gets to their representatives. The other part of this, too, that I think that, that, you know, people lose sight of, and that goes to the whole base of, the disrespect that Baker Mayfield feels in this situation. And as a competitor, I totally understand Baker's emotions and anger and disappointment and frustration and and everything else, right? Is I honestly believe that there's a disconnect between what the Browns and Andrew Berry told Baker Mayfield's representatives at the Combine and their intentions this offseason versus what Baker Mayfield was actually told. I think that there really was a disconnect so wait, there. Told by the Browns or told by told by Baker's people? by like his own where, people. Where, uh, I think there's a yeah, chance I, that his people kinda, did not. I was looking at the story. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think there's a chance his people did not paint the full picture for Baker Mayfield of what the Browns were going to do. I truly believe, going back to what I said earlier, Andrew Barry strikes me as a very honest person. And granted, yes, business of football and and whatnot, but I find it difficult to believe that Andrew Barry at the Combine knowingly deceived Baker Mayfield's camp. I believe Andrew Barry, when he says, yeah, we told him if there's a top flight elite quarterback that becomes available, we will pursue that. Otherwise, Baker is our guy. Our intention is to move forward with Baker. And then a month later, what ha- or a couple weeks later, I should say, what happens, the opportunity to visit with Deshaun Watson comes up. The Browns viewed Deshaun Watson as an elite quarterback, clearly based on the contract they ultimately ended up giving him, right? And so they pursued right. that, which is completely consistent with what Andrew Berry says he told Mayfield's camp. So why would Baker be so angry at the Browns outside of the fact that you know you're you're looking in another direction at anybody uh at quarterback well the only thing I can come up with is maybe Baker's people didn't exactly paint the picture for Mayfield properly or clearly or Baker didn't have a clear understanding of what was said at the combine therefore we got to the point where the the bridge has been nuked there is no going back Baker does not want to play for the Cleveland Browns ever again. I think deep down the Cleveland Browns don't want Baker Mayfield to ever play for them again, right? But they can't speak in absolutes and say never, never, never because they are trying to get something for this guy rather than just have him sit at home in Texas the whole year and collect nearly $19 million in salary. So that's why this stuff is going to continue to be out there. People are going to continue to talk about it. And we just, I guess, every time it happens, maybe drinks are on you, Andy. Okay. No, I'll pass because I can't afford it because the drinks <laughs> are out there too many times. I'm done. It's always game day Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We are going to the mailbag. Yeah, I'm pumped. We're going to bring Meredith in. We're going to go to the mailbag. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can always get in on the show at Game Day CLE. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. And we bring in Meredith Kane. Meredith, we haven't really heard from you in the first couple of podcasts, but now you are all in, and you're going to help us out with the mailbag. Yeah, we tweeted out from at Game Day CLE. We wanted your questions. We got a ton of really good questions, so we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with Ramos at Where is Ramos? If the Browns don't re-sign Clowney, what are their best options opposite of Miles Garrett? I have a quick answer on this, Daryl, and I, I, I really want to hear what your answer is. I, I don't know. Are they – I mean, Chase Winovich, see, it seems like a place they – like, I don't think they're going to make any more moves. I think Winovich is, is going to have a, a, an unbelievable opportunity to, to make his mark here in Cleveland, and, he's all, and you also have Alex Wright. But what, what do you, outside of those guys, what do you think? I, I, th- I think that's the road that they're going to go. If they don't bring back Clowney, they're going to go with what they have on the roster. And – they really like Alex Wright. They feel like he has the potential to uh, be an impact player. I don't know necessarily what type of an impact he's going to have uh, as a rookie. Uh, Third-round pick, though, uh, we, we see th- you know third, fourth-round guys all the time uh, come out and do some pretty uh, you know great things in the league. So I think it comes down to a competition between Alex Wright and Chase Minovich uh, in training camp. So I'll follow up on that question. This is not Ramos. This is my question to you guys. Right. So I'm uh, virtually tweeting at Game Day CLE. If Jadavion Clowney <laughs> does not re-sign with the Browns, where do you think he'll wind up? Oh, that's a good question. I think whoever wants to write the biggest check. What do you think, Joe? Bingo. Yeah, he yeah. – I, again, <laughs> I, I like guys that are open, honest, candid. I, I have no problems with players saying it's all about the money, and that's basically what Jadavian Clowney said in his season-ending press conference at First Energy Stadium after that uh, season finale, the win over the Bengals. He's like, hey, man, I this is my chance to get paid, man. I got through the season healthy. I feel great. I'm not falling apart for the first time in a long time, so this is my chance to kind of cash in. I think that Jadavian Clowney felt like he was going to get a multi-year contract this offseason that was going to pay him some rather – large money I don't know necessarily that that market has materialized he's not in a hurry to sign I don't think that's necessarily reason for anybody to worry I think that that's uh, Jadavian Clowney remember it took him a while to sign with the Browns last offseason 
you know, part of this too is guys just don't want to come in. Some of these guys don't want to come in and do the offseason program stuff, whether it's the OTAs, mandatory minicamp, and all that type of stuff. But yeah, I, I think that uh, Jadavian Clowney will go where he can get paid. Boom. Agree. Our next question comes from Will Reese at W Reese 27 on Twitter. Do you think they sign Fuller? I do not. I, I, th- I think that pretty much this offseason, the Browns are done, so to speak, uh, shopping. Um, I, I think that I would like them to sign Will Fuller. That would be great. Um, I just don't think realistically I would be disingenuous to our audience if I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to go after Will Fuller. They're definitely in the running. They, you know, I just I don't know that that's uh, realistic at this point uh, as far as uh, where Andrew Barry is thinking. Because remember, Barry needs to sign some or I should say Barry needs to save some salary cap space here, too. They've spent a lot of cash already this offseason. Uh, they need to save some cap space uh, because they're going to have to do some restructures in the coming years. Barry has to look for today as well as look for uh, tomorrow. I think he had a uh, last year, I think he played for like $10 million. Um, I, I don't know that Barry would wants to, you know, spend that much money uh, at, at this point. So I, I just, I feel like it, I feel like it's unrealistic. I don't know how Andy feels, but that's just uh, where I'm at. I just don't see them going out. I mean, as much as you may like Wolf, and obviously he's got some experience, and it'd be great to bring him in. You already have, you know, two guys on that uh, in that wide receiving core that are six foot. I mean, you you brought in David Bell for a reason. So you've got Amari Cooper, who's like what six, maybe six six one. David Bell's in the same place right there. I, I mean, I, I just don't know if bringing in another receiver like that, although it'd be great to have him, and I would love to see him on the team. I just don't – like, would they be duplicating something that they think they might be able to get out of David Bell? That's the only you – know, is every wide receiver on this team going to be six foot? I don't yeah. know if that's the answer. <laughs> well, right? and I want to put a bow on Jar- – we, we kind of put a bow on Baker Mayfield. I kind of want to yeah. put a bow on the Jarvis Landry conversation real quick too because <laughs> sure. it ties into Will Fuller. Look, if the Browns wanted to keep Jarvis Landry, they would have kept Jarvis Landry. I just – this constant dissection of Jarvis Landry and the contract he got from the Saints. And, well, why didn't the Browns do that? The Browns could have done that. Look, they didn't want to do it. That's why. They didn't want to do it, clearly. So, end of story. If they wanted to keep him, they could have. They decided not to. They made a business decision. They made a football decision. Endo storio. Next. Our next question comes from Joey C at the Browns fan 123 on Twitter. He has a question and a request. His request says, okay. please share more stories of behind the scenes and past Browns years. Those are fun to hear, but we're going to put a pin in that because we're definitely going to do that later. So stay sure. tuned, Joey C. We will get to that part. But his question is, do you think Perry on Winfrey makes a huge impact in the defense this year? I'll, I'll lead it for a second. I, it, the Browns better believe that he's going to because the investment that they've made in that defensive front isn't what they've done in other positions. So, um, Daryl, that's the one spot that really scares me is the interior defensive line. And if you're going to spend a fourth – yes, spend a fourth-round pick. I don't know if the, what that means. Does that mean that he's got to play right away? No, but I hope he can. I mean, look, if he can, if he can live up to the words that are coming out of his mouth, he'll be an all-pro. Yeah, <laughs> I agree 100%. He really is a ball of energy. We've talked about it. Um, and he, he looks big in person. <laughs> See, seeing right. him one-on-one, he looks like a he, he's a pretty big guy. But um, he's going to get the opportunity. 
uh, Joey. That's that's the the answer to the question. I know that's not the crystal clear cut answer you're looking for, but he is going to get the opportunity. Uh, you look at the interior defensive line. You've got Tommy Togiai, fourth round pick from last year out of Ohio State. Jordan Elliott, right now, I've got penciled in as one of the starting defensive tackles. I don't know if Sheldon Day or Taven Bryan is the other starting defensive tackle at this point. Um, they've got uh, 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 another uh, rookie, a couple of them, I should say. Uh, Glenn Logan and and Perry are in there, too. Roderick Perry? Yeah, yeah Roderick Perry. So there, there's not a lot of depth uh, on that defensive line not named Miles Garrett. Let's Let's just be honest about it. That's not to say they don't have talent at those positions. It's just right now it's an unknown quantity. So, yeah, Perry and Winfrey absolutely will have an opportunity to contribute. Will he? Unfortunately, we don't know that just yet. We'll see. All right, we got two more questions. This one comes from at Browns Elf 2022. How important are relationships between media and players as well as media and fans? Um, I, you know, when I look at that question, I just think, you know, questions don't matter a lot of times when it comes from the reporter because it's the answers that matter when you're listening to what a player is saying because that's really what the fans want. And, I don't know. I've always felt like, and I'm sure Dar- I'm interested to hear what Daryl has to say about this too. That we've always been this conduit to try to be able to help you. Well, I think the conduit's changed dramatically because fans have the opportunity through social media to try to contact players, uh, you know, one on one. And sometimes players want to respond. Sometimes they don't. Uh, I do like social media sometimes because, uh, especially for the players on one side, because it gives them the opportunity to say things in full sound bites. Like you know, sometimes when we do a 2020 you're only going to hear like 15 seconds of what somebody said. So um, the one thing about, you know, new media, I think that is exciting is that it gives players a little bit more of an opportunity, but it also gives us like, you know, even on this podcast, it gives us a chance to talk a little bit more about our, our feelings and our emotions sometimes. And I do think that the relationship between players and media is, is very, very important. And I think it helps out fans um, if there's a good relationship between the media and the players. We, We know what it looks like when it's ugly, and then people either want to turn on the media or they want to turn on the player. And the the interesting thing is, and I think I learned this right away when I was covering the Indians and, and with, when I was with them every day, and Daryl can speak to this too, that there's a huge difference between being a reporter that just jumps in every once in a while and doesn't really have a good feel for a locker room or a clubhouse and someone who is there every day. There's a different relationship. And, you know, you get to build these relationships, and sometimes – players want the story to be told sometimes they don't and sometimes you're just sitting there and and you're talking and you really get to know these people and I think sometimes when I look at people call someone a bum it drives me nuts because you know a player who makes it to the highest level in sports and this is just me talking as a sports person it is impossible I mean look at the percentages of how high it is how hard it is to become a professional athlete and when I hear fans in the stands call someone a bum or call someone bad or that, that guy is a thousand times better than the best guy you ever played with in high school. And I think fans lose perspective of that sometimes because of the entertainment aspect of it. So um, I, I've always been really sensitive to that, about especially someone who would call someone a bum. Like, that drives me nuts because, that I mean, if you don't spend five seconds with someone, I think that's kind of a personal attack. Um, and these guys put tons of work into it. And, yes, every once in a while we have guys that don't want to be there and it's funny when the stories come out, but I don't know. That relationship is gigantic, and uh, and building those relationships, especially where Daryl is right now, 
it's it, it is like the lifeline of your of your livelihood, correct? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I would say critical. Um, you know, there's nothing more uncomfortable than when a player is beefing with a member of the media, especially in the group setting now. Um, and we've seen that the last couple of years, you know, with with Baker Mayfield. It, it, it there are times where it's just really uncomfortable to be around, and so. Um, I, I've always tried to treat players with respect. Uh, I, you know, uh, I, I'm there to convey their message to the fans. Social media today has afforded uh, athletes the opportunity to convey their own message and not really have to use the media as much uh, to do that. Uh, they, they can do it unfiltered. They can do it in a live environment as well. They can hop on Instagram Live or uh, uh, Twitter has a li- uh, has a, a live feature, uh, tweets, uh, Instagram posts. I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff becomes news. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it comes down to treating uh, players with respect. Um, I don't go into a locker room trying to get a guy. I don't go after guys. Uh, I'm not out to get anybody. Uh, I'm not out to make anyone look bad. I'm not out to make anyone look good. I'm not there to be anybody's friend. You know, uh, I'm not there to go get beers with somebody after practice or whatever. That that's not the job. Uh, my job is to convey to fans what's going on with the team and the players on the team. And sometimes the picture, especially over the years with the Browns, it's a very ugly picture to paint. Um, I go back to uh, the story I told uh, on the on uh, on a previous podcast, right? Uh, Duke Johnson being very very angry with me because uh, I made a snide comment on Twitter uh, on a video that I posted of guys dancing. Uh, players are missing reps. Coaches are yelling at the players for missing reps. The team is not focused. They're not winning football games. So. Uh, it got to a point where I felt fans really needed to know that, that, you know, this is the, this is the clown stuff that was going on at practice. And this is part of the reason why they're not winning. <laughs> uh, and they don't seem to really care that they're not winning, even though deep down they do. And that's, and that's why Duke had the problem with me because of course he cared about winning and losing games. Uh, and he felt personally insulted that I would say something like that. And th- so that happens, um, and anytime you have those disagreements with players, it's important to, you know, clear the air with that guy. There, because again, you know, there's nothing worse than having an adversarial relationship. And then, and I'll be honest with fans, there have been times in recent years where going to cover the Browns has felt like a 100% complete adversarial relationship and environment. Um, and that's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And it, it's not the way it needs to be. It's not the way it should be. So, yeah, it's important. Is it important for fans? Uh, you know, um, I, on my skin, obviously, I admit, needs to be thicker than it is. But it's tough when you get a 1,000 people tweeting expletives and obscenities at you and vulgarities. Um, it's tough to have thick skin in, in that regard. Um, I, I try and, and channel... Uh, what players and coaches always talk about as far as tuning out the noise. It, I get it, man. It's, it's hard, man. It, it really is hard to, to tune out the noise. And, and I have a lot of respect for professional athletes. Like Andy said, I mean, they have reached the highest level of co- competitive sport 
and they are paid professionally and they're paid a lot of money, you know, uh, to do what they do. And so there's some inherent built-in respect there, but I can't stress enough. I am never there to make somebody look bad or look good. I'm not there to be their friend. I'm not out to get anybody. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I'm not out, out to attack somebody personally or even professionally. If the guy's not playing well, Unfortunately, I got to say he's not playing well. The least favorite part of my job, believe it or not, is to say a team or a player sucks. I I know that's shocking for people to hear because we do it so much, but I I don't like doing it because, yeah, I I can't do what they do. (laughs) I, I just, I can't. I'm not qualified. I'm not built for it. I don't have the mental skill. I don't have the physical skill. That's the least part of the job is, it, is to tell fans, yeah, your team sucks this year. Sorry. Quarterback sucks. Receiver sucks. Offensive lines. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, just, it, it's not fun. Right. Um, I, I much prefer uh, covering, uh, you know, uh, winning teams and, uh, because everyone's usually, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time when teams are winning, guys are in good moods and, and stuff like that. Covering losing teams is just really, really hard because nobody wants to talk. Um, you know, uh, the media is not wanted in the locker room because obviously a lot of the stories aren't very positive and the players don't want uh, to deal with negative stories or negative storylines and stuff like that. But, yeah, relationships matter uh, in our business absolutely 100%. And I'm going to add one little piece to this too. For an athlete to get good press, all they really need to do is say hi. I hate to say this. There's a difference between an athlete that walks around the clubhouse or walks around the, the locker room with a scowl on their face. Like, I always I, – it's a pretty simple rule. I mean, like, if I see somebody – and we all – you know, I'm not saying go out of your way to say hi to somebody, but if you're walking by somebody, you can always just say, hey, hey. And a reporter's going to look at that guy and go, oh, that guy's not such a bad guy. And then it becomes harder to write or say or, or, or have this bad attitude towards an athlete what all they had to do was say hi in the first place. I'm not expecting everybody. Yeah, because if day. we know you don't like us already, and we feel like we're already fighting the uphill battle, that that it makes it's it a makes lot that, easier. It, yeah. Oh, it's it 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 it. First of all, it's very uncomfortable, right? Because there are times like isn't it ba- amazing though? I'll use Baker Darryl, as an I mean, example. It, like when Baker yeah. would come into the locker room, like I I know that that's the last place Baker Mayfield wants to be. Now he would he was professional. He stood up there. He would answer the questions. But like I knew that that's the last place he wanted to be was answering questions from reporters, right? And that's right. something that's not something you want to exude. Privately, you can be like, these dirty, rotten sons of guns and whatever, right. right? You never want to project that you hate the media because once the media knows you hate them, yeah. That, you know, and, 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 and again, these guys are human beings. They have families who read and hear and see and, and all that stuff, and I'm sure they hear and see it as well. It does the human element, unfortunately, in our business does get lost, right? Because it's become media relationships. Media relationships today are a lot more antiseptic than they used to be, because it's get in, get your soundbite, get out, or get in, get your quote, and get out, right? And there, the the days of being able to just walk up and have a twenty minute conversation with a guy. Those those aren't there anymore because if players don't have to be in the locker room when the media is in there, they're not. They stay away. Um, but, you know, remembering that these guys are, are, are people and not treating them transactionally, 
You know what I'm saying? Like just a, a name on a locker or a name on a door. And it's hard to do when you have an organization and a team that just has constant turnover and you don't get to know guys and they're here for a year or two and then they're gone. That 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 makes it even more uh, difficult when you have that revolving door. But yeah, you know, uh, I always try and remember uh, that these guys are human beings. They have families. They have li- this is their livelihood. This is their job. Um, and, uh, I, I think that it's important to remember that, that the human element that's involved. All right. Last out. Here we go. Last question. One more question. I know we're running out of time, but I had to get this one in. This is from at Mike underscore Kavanaugh. Does Daryl have a burner account to see what Watson posts on Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, that's a great question. And the, and the honest to God answer is no, I have one Twitter account and that is it. Fun story. So when the fans signed on in 2011 and, and I was hired, uh, the, the, the company mandated that I include fan in my account because my account used to be at right or wrong. Correct. And they came to me and said, Daryl, you have to put fan in your account. You work for me. Said, OK, no problem. Within like two minutes of me changing my Twitter handle, somebody grabbed my original Twitter handle at right. Oh, or wrong no. And parked it. Yeah. And so I lost that. And there's a bunch of spook. So understand there is only one account that I have and it's at right or wrong fan. I don't have burner accounts. Look, I don't have the energy to run my own account at times, let alone to have a burner account. So I I know that people do that. I know fans do it and it's hysterical because I will block a fan uh, because they said something off- that I consider to be offensive or disrespectful to me. And I'm like, well, fine, I'm going to do you the solid and block you because clearly you don't like me. And then you get upset because I block you. And I will see, hey, you're, you're a jerk because you blocked this account. And it's clearly uh, their like second, their backup Twitter account. So I am amused that fans have those backup <laughs> accounts or whatever. But I promise you, if it's not right or wrong fan on Twitter, it is not me. I just don't have the time or energy to have secondary burner accounts. I really don't. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter enough to me to have a burner account as well. But great question. That I appreciate the chuckle. I kind of needed that. He's Daryl Ryder. Meredith Kane, outstanding job today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Baskin, do you have a burner account? I do not have a burner okay. account. I I, I got to tell you. I had like, to get you on the record. Uh, no, I don't have a burner account. Especially like when we first started. When we first started, I, I would get angry at some of the tweets we got on the radio. And, and then it would affect the whole show and it would affect everything. And then all of a sudden I found that mute button and I found serenity. <laughs> at Game Day CLE is my burner account. <laughs> all right, kids, we got to roll. It was a great show. We'll talk to you again. Uh, again, we'll probably drop another podcast on Monday, and we like to drop them on Mondays and Thursdays. So, But, you know, when something happens, we'll be right there for you, and we got you back. Uh, it's always game day in Cleveland, uh, produced by Meredith Kane. Thank you very much. Daryl Ryder, he's, that's him. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you are hearing, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, and in the future, if you want to be a part of the show, at Game Day CLE. It's always game day in Cleveland.